All right. So we're you've caught the sh- we've you've literally dropped in on the show. Uh, Howard and Fred are having a, another heated discussion, and all I did was play about eight seconds of a three minute clip of Tucker Carlson about five minutes ago, and, and uh, that's all it took for you and I. Just you and me for the last five minutes are just. It's all it took for me to go, oh, sh- <laughs> I know. Just the sound of that voice now. It's just, you know what? Shut up. I know. It was funny because I, I was just, pl- I was playing it actually it just a preview, j- just a preview that I had the clip ready. Out taking the COVID shot. And then basically you were like, oh, shut up. And I said to you, it's funny. This clip of Tucker Carlson is, is one of those things that's part of the problem with the, uh, the way the media works in that country is because it sounds his this clip sounds like he's making a point, which is what got us started. Again, and I'll say it, you formulate stories for simpletons. You make it sound real for them because they are so ready to accept it. Like it's like, really, it's unbelievable. He just goes on and on and yeah. on, stirs it up and. So much of it's unfounded, and it always comes back to, you know, Fox went to, to court and argued that they shouldn't be sued because Tucker Carlton can't be taken seriously. So why would you sue us? Oh, sorry. Can't take him seriously. That wasn't enough for people. There's people that, at you know, every night at 8 o'clock or whatever and go, oh, I got to watch Tucker tonight to see what Tucker has to say. Like, what does that say about you? Like, he's making off money off the back of who? Well, that's the thing. And, and the only reason I flagged this video that we were going to play later in the show was to show everyone and, and to make the example that what's dangerous about this type of media is it actually sounds, if you're not really paying attention or you're part of that whirlwind, it sounds plausible. His, the point he's making is the headline is the CDC is about to add the COVID vaccine to the child immunization schedule, which would make the vax mandatory for kids to attend school. Now, the first thing I thought when I saw that was, oh, you mean like all the other things that kids are immunized for in order to go to school? And then you hear the clip and he's got a guy on from John Hopkins and the thing sounds plausible and they're talking about, but the the bottom line is the the CDC hasn't done it yet. They're just thinking about doing it. But with good reason that, you know, at some point, like polio and rubella and all the other things that our children are vaccinated against, this will become part of that. <laughs> so That's right. Not, not one kid will get a mandatory school vaccination until they're absolutely sure that it's safe. Here's another thing they do. You know, I know what happened at Fox News yesterday. Tucker Carlson goes in and he says, find me a guy with an official title who doesn't agree with this. And, they, and they'll work the phones all goddamn day until they get that one cherry-picked person yeah. that supports their argument. So even when I say, oh, a guy from John Hopkins, you know, I, again, I would have to listen to it and how he'd say it and how he would position his um, opinion and all that stuff because they twist and they bend and they misrepresent on that station. Because, again, their, their average viewer ain't that bright. Yeah, and that's what I mean. And and it's funny. Now we don't even have to play the clip, but just know that the, this is what is so skewed about it. And it's left as well. I mean, you know, the CBC presents 
CNN presents a point of view. Mm -hmm. The difference is they will also present the opposing point of view. Like having that guy on from John Hopkins, you know, makes it sound very credible. Mm -hmm. But where was somebody else on saying, you know, well, that's not really right. We're not going to do it yet. It's not it's not a fit a complete yet. It's just something they're thinking of. And why wouldn't you have immunization against the COVID-19 vaccine just like you would with everything else? And again, as I said to you before the show, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my grandkids have been vaccinated. And I know other kids that have been vaccinated. I know teenagers that have been vaccinated. I know 20 somethings that have been vaccinated. Howard, I know people vaccinated across all demographics. And I don't know one person that's had a problem with the vaccine. <laughs> no, I know. Sore arm for a day. Not one person has died. Not one person has got sick. Not one person is in the hospital because of the vaccine. And people say, oh, okay, that's just your world. But listen, my world is my world. And I know a lot of people. Based on what these imbeciles, what these evildoers are promoting, you'd think I'd know one person yeah. had a problem with it. Just one. <laughs> Yeah, in the uh, clip where this doctor <clears throat> from John Hopkins says, you know, and as we know, one in four people, you know, is having an extremely adverse reaction to the vaccine. And you and I were like, well, OK, I don't know. Maybe I know 100 people I, but between, uh, you know, family and golf. I probably know 100 people. I don't know anyone that's been hospitalized because of the vaccine. Howard, do you not think. Look at the people that listen to this show on a daily basis. Do you not think. When we have these conversations, people would not be emailing us or going on our Facebook page saying, hey, hold on, wait a second, Humble and Fred. Mm. My uncle got the shot and died. Or, hey, Humble and Fred, uh, I got the shot and I was in the hospital for six weeks. Have we had any of that? No. And you think by now we would. Um, yeah, you'd think. Yeah, you think over the course of a couple of years we would have heard anecdotally. Yeah, you're right. We know we know more than 100 people. We know, you know, considering the people that listen to this program, we know 200 people. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so this was how we started the show today. You know, where the show is on. It's been on for six minutes. But this isn't all we have to offer. You know, I know a lot of times people be like, oh, another humbling friend, you know, oh, anti-Fox wow. News rant. Well, it's just frustrating because the people that, that have decided to go there for whatever reason... As I said to you, like, what is your point? Because it's just evil. Like, yeah. So you obviously have other problems because if you're so easily, if you so easily buy into that with absolutely no real proof, which they don't, I don't give a shit what anybody says. What's it like? What's the matter with you? What? Like, why? Why? Yeah. What was the point of this? Does Tucker yeah. Carlson not want people to have vaccinate their kids? I mean, then the whole string and on Twitter, I just looked at it now, is just filled with, you know, people who, you know, love Fox and are saying things like, you know, big pharma protecting their patent in, in perpetuity. Here's somebody who says, uh, is it just me or does it seem like the entire world fell apart when Trump left office? You know, it's pretty funny, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mentioned Alec Jones. I saw a clip of his yesterday, and he was talking about the same thing, about the vaccines and them trying to, you know, bring them into the mainstream a little bit more. And at one point, he stops and he looks in the camera and he says, ladies and gentlemen, this is the height of evil. This you cannot compare the evil of this to anything. I've never, ever been exposed to anything like this. And this is the guy. 
You want to talk about EV? This is the guy that denied the shooting. Yeah. That those kids died. Yeah, who just had to pay nearly a billion dollars. Because of his evilness, his callousness, his... He took that story and spun it that way for money. For years, by the way. And here's the thing. Considering what you just said. You know, if you found out a friend of yours or a friend of ours had perpetrated a lie that hurt all these people and you could see it, you know, that denied their grief and, and added years because that Parkland shooting was years ago. Yeah. What what he did and 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 on the on, for for no other reason than to raise money. Right. If you had a friend like that, can now I'm thinking of his viewers. At some point, wouldn't you be like, well, I can't support that friend anymore. But all he's doing now, because I've seen some clips in the last couple of days too, is he's yeah. actually saying. And what he, I don't know if he said this yesterday, but what he said the day before was, you know, this money you're, he's asking for money isn't going to fund the uh, lawsuit. It's going to keep InfoWars, you know, on the air or whatever. Yeah. Like he said, <laughs> you know, a few hundred thousand dollars will keep this in the courts for years. Yeah. He told him that. He was that, stra- that straight up. But even the clip I'm seeing yesterday, during it, you know, it's brilliant, actually. He's talking about the vaccine and how evil these people are. But weaving into his conversation, he's promoting these these natural products. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it, it really is something. So these people that listen to it, people actually put that on and accept it as the truth. Yes. And don't even notice that he's selling them snake oil like well and that's my point about if you had a friend like that at some point wouldn't you get, say to yourself okay enough's enough considering what you've just been you know found guilty of but the point is now none of them believe anything they don't believe right. they believe that you know i keep coming back to the the greatest trick that donald trump and that 2015 2016 campaign has done mm-hmm. is it's so such a a default mistrust of anything that's not mm-hmm. lining up with their narrative and that's what's scary about it last night that alberta premier danielle smith issued an apology for some of her comments about ukraine and i'm sure uh, jackie delaney's on today we'll be talking about that but what's scary you know and that's it's good she has done that but, you know, she hasn't retracted other comments about the vaccine and the most, you know, discriminated people or the unvaccinated. All well, what did she say about Dan? What did Daniel Smith have to say about the Ukraine? Well, maybe they should be neutral. And how can you really be upset or how can you uh, criticize Russia for, you know, having a country like that on their border? Considering being part of NATO, all arguments you've heard before. Yeah, but. Just another right winger who's really reluctant to criticize Putin, which is another disturbing. Yeah, that that whole narrative is also unprecedented and so bizarre. Yeah, so she has written, she issued a a letter last night apologizing, which is good. But, you know, and I've heard the theory, you know, since Trump, again, to his credit for that side, he has thrown so much stuff out there. Yeah. Stuff 10 years ago that would have been totally acceptable. Not that it's acceptable now. No, you're saying you saying 10 years ago it would have been unacceptable. Oh, well, that's what I mean. 10 years ago it would have been totally unacceptable. I'm sorry. Today, not that it is acceptable, 
But it's not handled the same way because there's so much of it, we're sort of numb to it. So it's almost like it's slithering through the cracks, right? And that's what this Daniel Smith is. Yeah. You know, trying to bring that act here to Canada. Well, she got enough pushback now that, thank goodness, in this wonderful country. I want to get to Trump in a second. That, but that he issued that apology. Yeah, okay. So that, and we're going to talk a little bit about, well, obviously, quite a bit about that with our friend Jackie Delaney. But uh, that narrative, just want to park it for a second. That idea that, you know, maybe Trump's not, or Putin's not so bad, and world leaders not wanting to criticize him, and etc. Again, I don't want to be alarmist, but you know what else that sounds like? It sounds like 1930s Germany, and the world mm-hmm. didn't want to criticize or was reluctant to, you know, come down hard on Chancellor Hitler. And and because it be, because it was unchecked and it was over there and remote and wasn't part of our day to day here in North America or in other parts of the world, people ignored it until it was too late. Mm-hmm. And again, not to be like, hey, it's happening again, but it is happening again. The mm-hmm. politics is the same. Anti-Semitism is on the rise again. Mm-hmm. You know, but I wanted to was you know, I don't know if you've seen this clip or heard about it, but, you know, Nancy Pelosi in the heat of January 6th, at some point, said she wanted Trump to come to the Capitol and she would punch him in the face. A woman who's nearly 80 years old mm-hmm. <laughs> was threatening to punch this asshole in the face, which, you know, a lot of people be like, yeah, he deserves it. Well, he's taken that clip and now he's saying, you know, if, I, if I had said that, if I had said that type of thing, you know, everyone would have lost their minds. Well, to your point, he said a thousand things like that. There's yeah. all these clips. And of course, all these clips are on the, the post of him saying, punch the guy in the face at his rallies, grab mm-hmm. him by the pussy, all this mm-hmm. stuff. Again, to your point, years ago, any one of these things would have been mm-hmm. enough to derail a political career. But there's so much of it now that none of it seems to be as outrageous as it was. I wouldn't even say 10 years ago, five years ago, before, before he came down the escalator, there was a different societal allowance of whatever. Mm -hmm. And don't think that wasn't uh, strategized. Don't think that wasn't part of the plan, you know, because that's how he handles his lawsuits, right? He just gets his lawyers to throw a ton of shit at the wall. Yeah. To grind everything to a halt. So that, I'm sure that was his strategy. You know, we've got to get to that base. We've got to get to that that base of uh, right-wing people that rarely vote because they feel, no, we've got to get them out to vote. How are we going to do it? Well, we're going to dog whistle, and we're going to throw a ton of stuff out there that is music to their ears. Yeah, and, and That's what they've done. And don't think that the strategy of aligning himself with the Christian right and, and that organization. And, you know, I've seen some, things, seen some things in the last couple of days where they've, and you know, how they anoint him, this saintly messenger from God is really scary for so many reasons. But it just goes to show you that, you know, that separation of church and state, and that's just a myth. Hey, I've got an idea. One other thing. I okay, and then we got to move on. Because uh, even I understand now that people are like, are oh, really 15 minutes of this? I know. But heading up to the November 8th midterms. Yes. There's a mad scramble on now, obviously, to get people come out and vote. The right is after those people. 
the religious right, the people that are deep down are just evil. And who are the Democrats? Who are the left after right now? Uh, I don't women. No. W- yes, women and youth. Yes. So on one side, they're going after women and youth based on rights. Like, hey, young people, look what the other side is trying to do. Take away your rights. I mean, uh, abortion rights. Yeah. Even if you're not directly affected by abortion and then skew right in on women of any age. Like, look, they want to turn the clock back decades. So it's just there's a contrast of the type of people you're after. Well, I said this when they uh, overturned Roe v. Wade in the spring, and I, I wasn't the only one, I'm sure. But I think I think the not the October surprise, but the November surprise will be how many pissed off women are going to show up. I hope you're right. I hope I'm right, too, because, as I said, in the spring, you know, women, even Republican women, maybe not the lunatic Christian fringe, but even Republican women, conservative women mm-hmm. in that country would have to look at this and go, okay, well, this is a bit much, you know, mm-hmm. this Supreme Court thing. Well, you, you know that Tulsi Gabbard, she was a Democrat in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, made a big... rejected the Democrats. Yes. Sort of, not quite... Unfortunately, she's very cute, so I have to forgive her a little bit. She's pretty cute. Well, last night, you know, she spent time comparing Joe Biden to Hitler. So that's where we're at. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, that's great. Like, what? <laughs> she, well, okay. But you know what that is? It's so many people do that with Trump. It's like, well, let me just. Uh, let me show you how Biden's like Hitler. I know. So. Yeah, I know. You know what I thought we would do? Have a little palate cleanser before we start the show. And uh, I'm going to change. We're going to change the gears here, everyone. We're going to get into something a little more, you know, easy. So there's this thing that went around social media the last couple of days about uh, name your favorite Canadian band, top Canadian bands. Okay. Actually, how I saw it, it was on uh, Hebsher's uh, social media. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just going to tie into that in a second. But yesterday we were talking about Neil Young, how he wasn't on Spotify, how he was spotted at the, uh, where was he at the Norwood Zoo? Nor- Norwood Fair. Norwood Fair. And uh, this came up. I just found this. Here's a very sweet little mini, just a quick 40-second cover of one of my favorite Neil Young songs. There you go. Isn't that a sweet little palate cleanser? It's a stand-up bass, a couple of guitars, a mandolin. It's just really sweet. I don't know if Dan Duran plays it off Spotify, but he often, at the Tin Palace, will play um, a playlist of <clears throat> that one song by a bunch of different people, which is interesting, about three or four in, and then yeah. that's enough. I mean, tell the... <clears throat> The idea is, isn't to listen to it all at once, right? Just every so often revisit it and see, oh, what's this person like? What that person is like doing that song. Yeah, it's well, I, I, that's what I played yesterday because I guess Neil's songs are not on Spotify. According to the uh, this thing that's going around, uh, actually, 
This came out of uh, the uh, the Bodog world. Uh, oh, yeah. Top Canadian bands: number ten, Billy Talent; number nine, The Rascals. Who are the Rascals? Oh, I remember the. Ra- I didn't know they were Canadian. Rascals. Yeah, their big hit was. Uh, no, yeah. is that who that is? you know? Rascals. R a s c a l z. Do you know that band? Oh no, not with the yeah. Z. No, the exactly. Rascals with yeah. an S. That's not who you're thinking of. Oh, okay. I don't know them. Are Kells? I don't know. Okay. I just and maybe we sound stupid saying that out loud, but I just have to admit it. Uh, eight, the Arkells. Number seven, some forty-one. Number six, Nickelback. Number five, the Guess Who. Number four, Our Lady Peace. Number three, Bare Naked Ladies. Number two, Rush. And obviously, number one, the Tragically Hip. So, as the Rascals aside, um. Some bands that could have been on there that aren't April Wine, obviously. Uh, number one, no one's going to dispute the tragically hip top Canadian band of all time. And uh, Our Lady Peace is in there. I like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the criteria was because, as much as I don't care for Rush, I'm surprised they're not number one. You know, I mean, they were an international smash hit yeah i don't think it's a ma- i don't think the criteria is who sold more records or who was bigger mm-hmm. they're rascals oh they're a hip-hop group okay well that's why i don't know them excuse me so if yeah anyone's like oh see rascals r-a-s-c-a-l-z mm-hmm. are a hip-hop group from vancouver british columbia who played a crucial role in the artistic and commercial development of the Canadian hip-hop scene. Okay, well, we can be forgiven because we're 126 years old. No, more than that. Mm-hmm. You're 66. 128 years old, and uh, we've never heard of them. Never heard of them. Other bands that could have been considered, obviously. Mm-hmm. Blue Rodeo. Oh, jeez. See? See, I would put Blue Rodeo ahead of a lot of those bands. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean... Some 41, okay. Billy Talent, fine. The Arkells, maybe. But yeah, Blue Rodeo should be on there. And there's a, you know, there's dozens of others. And I'm sure people listening are like, what about this band, Howard? Of course. But yeah. the hip, I think, is undisputed. And again, it's not about selling records because, you know, Rush has sold probably more internationally for sure than the hip. Right. But in terms of what a band means to a country, there's not even, it's not even close. Mm hmm. Yeah, the Rascals, we were thinking of uh, looking at the list here. Remember? It's a beautiful morning. No, I do. I I don't know that they're Canadian, though. No, I'm just saying when you said Rascals, that's who I was. No, they're not Canadian. I'm just, I was thinking Rascals. Why do you need to ban the Rascals when there's a uh, a band that uh, had some notoriety called the Rascals? A bit confusing. I mean, they're long gone. And Groovin', remember that song? Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I know they're not Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know, Our Lady Peace being that high up on it, I uh, as much as I love the band and I love our Jeremy Taggart uh, buddy, but uh, you know, that was a little. I, I would I would say the Guess Who before uh, Our Lady Peace in terms of significant Canadian bands. What about Bachman Turner Overdrive? Huh? Huh? Not my cup of tea. There's no Our Lady Peace on my playlist. I do. I I, I don't think. Uh, okay. We, I have some of it on the uh, Humble and Fred favorites. I mean, there's a few I play from time to time. Mm-hmm. 
But I tell you, I play way more tragically hip now than I used to. Really? Oh yeah, way more. You play their one song. What do you mean? You think I play the same song too much? <laughs> do you really? No, I'm serious. No, well, you used to say every song sounds the oh, same. Oh, that's right. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, that's right. Keep up, keep up. <laughs> keep up. I'm sorry, I was a little behind yeah, a 30-year-old bit. That was your bit for 15 years. <laughs> that's right. Sorry, I'm a bit behind on the 30-year-old bit I was doing. No. Anyway. Uh, we'll start the show now. Jackie Delaney is going to be with us here shortly. Hang on, everybody. Just hang on. Hang on. I got to do another thing because... Okay. I got to get what this What kind one. of a thing? Well, because hey. it, Dan, Dan recorded the... And I have on to a bright note, the Raptor season opens tonight. Yes. Against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Maybe I should do my bow dog now. Well, why don't we start the show? Get the Dan Duran intro going. All right. And then... Uh, oh, I forgot. We haven't yeah, that's what I'm saying. I have to get... It's in two different places because Dan's done it cold voice and I have to do this in another place. That's all I'm saying. Fred, man. Here we go. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in trendy Toronto and beautiful Brampton. And is brought to you by Bodog, the retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and HealthGage. And now here are two men who are saving the world one opinion at a time. It's Humble and Fred. Goddamn right we are. Thank you, Dan Duran. Yeah, we should get right to uh, some of our uh, sponsor stuff. Uh, starting with uh, a bow dog. Yeah, the Raps tonight. The Raptors favored over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the Raps pay one forty to win on a hundred dollar bet. You know how that works. A point spread two point five. Uh, the over under on the game is two hundred sixteen points. The NBA season actually began last night, Howard. And let me tell you, a record was set. Hmm? Twenty three Canadians are on the rosters of NBA teams this year. Never before have we had that number. That's pretty cool. I'd say. Yeah. Uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That is uh, Bodog. If you've got a great idea for a small business or a side hustle, maybe it's that brilliant thing you've been dreaming about and sitting on for a while. Don't do that. Maybe it's an online store you've been waiting to launch and start selling your products. Well, well, there's no better time than right now, right now in the middle of the sentence, to find your domain, create your website, and have GoDaddy help you finally bring it to life. With GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support, they're here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy today and try it out. No credit cards even required. Required? Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. So your name is uh, Fred, is it not? Frederick. Yeah, Frederick. Um... I had this thought the other day while I was uh, listening to, uh, I think it was MSNBC. Oh, yeah. Nothing but lefty media for me. 
And uh, one of their, maybe it was, uh, I can't remember, maybe it was CNN, but they have a host, uh, a very attractive woman named Frederica. Oh, okay, yes. Mm -hmm. And that got me to thinking Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's some unisex names that work, you know, uh, Chris, Christine, or Christine, Chris. Paul, Paulina, you know what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. But but Fred to Frederica, or Frederick to Frederica, seems a bit forced to me. Yeah, like if her dad was Frederick, and that again, that does seem like it. You know, a shoehorn there. Yeah, mm-hmm. like no one's dad's name Wayne, and then the daughter's Wayneerica. Or Wayne Rica, you know, and there's no equivalent. There's no <clears throat> sort of unisex version of Howard. No one's Howardina. No. Mm-hmm. But Frederica just seems like ah, come on. There's Winifred too. Winifred. If your dad's name was Fred, maybe Winifred. We should have a contest, Winifred. Winifred for the weekend. You get Fred in your home for the weekend. Uh-huh. And he just sits there telling you, <laughs> telling you, first of all, how things work. My daughter, Melanie, her new dog's name is Winnie, and I call her Winifred. Aw. Aw, Winifred. Come here. So now the kids have started, to the odd time. I was, uh, speaking of dogs, I was with that uh, grand puppy of mine yesterday night. Yesterday evening. I believe it's called last night. At uh, Charlie and James their book launch party which was was pretty interesting it was very you know some emotional you know and right. i got a proud papa moment there i shed a tear when she was reading from the book and but I, when i arrived the dog i can't describe it i won't do it justice but the dog is tiny it's about six pounds and it was wearing what could only be described as this kind of muff like it was just like it was all puffed out this thing she okay it was like they stuffed her inside a tube uh mm-hmm. like a i don't even know like a a big puffy thing and it just looks so, so ridiculous running around this party all night but yeah it's quite the thing here's the i was going to show you this before the show so here's the book you can show everyone that's how big it is so did you can the dog see sign it for you yeah actually she did yeah. look what, like a paw print yeah they have of oh, course cool. they're, they're marketers there's the paw print so they actually booby. put the dog's paw in uh, no yeah well they got a well what they did is they stamp. got a they got a stamp all right you shouldn't call that a dog anymore. Call it a cow. No, I don't. Cash cow. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, uh, well, so you can see, and that's how big the book is, everyone. It's a coffee table book for a small dog. What does it say in there for, uh, what is it, like nineteen ninety nine US and then $48 Canadian? Yeah, that's a good point. Let me see here. It is, yeah. uh, oh, no, it's, uh, dude. Hmm. It's 24 U.S. and 31 Canadian. Oh, there you go. I remember remember back in, uh, I guess, whatever it was, 2000, whatever it was, when the Canadian dollar became par, and I still had my website. I was ranting that there was still too much of that stuff around. You know, when you see stuff priced to U.S., Canada, often with books. <clears throat> But now, I'll tell you, that's probably a deal now based on the dollar. <laughs> Is it? 
Well, it's like 72 cents. It's ridiculous. It costs you like almost a buck 40 to buy a, a U.S. dollar now. Yeah, another reason that I'm not, uh, I've sort of augmented, or not so augmented, I've changed or reconfigured my winter plans because I was going to spend, at some point I was talking about, you know, spending a couple months in the States, but I don't think I'm going to do that. I think back, I, I have this idea of maybe doing a couple of Mexico trips because of that, because it's just cheaper. Everything's cheaper. I looked at Airbnbs on the west, I'm sorry, the east coast of Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Boca, all that area, whatever, um, mm-hmm. Delray Beach I was talking about mm-hmm. going. It's just, too, it's so expensive. It's just that much more money. And I tell you, the last couple of times I've been there, uh, especially in... Uh, Panama City Beach, which is, tends to be cheaper. The groceries are no cheaper in American than they are in Canada. Right. Like, it was shocking. If something costs you $6 in Canada, $6 Canadian, it's $6 U.S. down there. Groceries are crazy down there. Like, anywhere else you can get your deals. And, and restaurant meals now just seem equivalent. What you would pay nineteen ninety nine Canadian for in a restaurant, you would pay... I just... It just it, it it again. It was shocking. Have you guys thought any more about where you might land for no, a month then, or two? And then a, and accommodations are just so over the top now. Yeah, in U.S. dollars. Because I can tell uh, you, no, I was going to say, I'll tell you from no, looking at Mexico. from looking at Mexico, and I've done a lot of Airbnb look in the last couple of months. It is uh, significantly cheaper. It's not complete. You know, it's not free. It's not cheap. No. It's just cheaper than parts of Florida. But even if you go to Florida, and I know you have a an op, oh no, that's in Mexico. I'm sorry. No, in but I'm going to spend I'm going to spend one month in Florida. But where I'm spending it is it cheaper than on the coast? Oh, no, I understand that. But still, you're going to be paying in American dollars, and again, you've lessened the cost by not being near the water. You alone, you know, if it has a kitchen and you can buy groceries and stuff, the hit isn't that big. And you know, like. You know, it all depends on your lifestyle down in the States. You just have to watch it. Now, recently I went on, I think it was last week, and I looked at the Canadian dollar against the peso, and it hasn't moved that much. It's still around 15 pesos to a dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just better. And accommodations in the, you know, when you do the conversion of what you pay for accommodations in Mexico, nice places near oh, yeah. the water compared to U.S., not even they're not, you know well when i started looking at the Oregon time when i started looking at orlando versus the coasts it it came down pretty like at least 20 or 30 percent oh sure mm-hmm. um by the way you, you mentioned yesterday we were talking about this story about loblaws do making a big deal about how they were going to freeze prices on about 1500 items between now and the end of the year mm-hmm which seemed like a great thing that they were doing. Well, Metro, don't you know, Metro comes out today and says, that idea of freezing prices, it's, it's industry-wide every year at this time. Oh, is it? Yeah, that they, they all do it every year uh, for the holidays. Yeah, but just on their in-house or their brand names or their, their no-name stuff or on everything? Apparently, I, like, I didn't, all I saw was this headline that Metro was like, okay, Loblaws, calm down a bit. Everyone does it. You're making right. it seem like it's so unusual. Right. Now, I could be wrong. I just read that part. You know, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, this, this sounded like something we said yesterday. Yeah. 
I don't know. It really doesn't affect, you know, of course it affects everyone, but, you know, those young families, you know, riding the line, it's, uh, I don't, it's just something else. Well, that story we had yesterday talked about the price of things and, and essentials. Food, essentially, is up, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes 10 to 15% over year over year. Food, gas, natural gas they're talking about now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the building products, on and on and on and on. And that, getting back to that greedflation thing, you'd just be you love to be able to just sort of scratch below the surface and see what's warranted through inflation and what is opportunity it's uh i think we'd be i think we'd be bitterly disappointed in our society right now i agree so these economic conditions that are happening now uh high inflation we're on the precipice of a recession the worldwide leaning toward uh this right wing I always get it mixed up. Is it globalism or nationalism? Which one is the bad one? Globalism, according to the writers. So nationalism. Mm -hmm. um, All of this is, again, very similar to the 30s. You know, economically around the world, there was a depression. And at some point, you know, the cure for the economic woes was war. And again, I don't want to sound like the giant bummer, but it's very similar. You know, on some level, this is a case of too much information, too. Remember, we had recessions in the 80s and the 90s, but we didn't have information at hand the way we do now. How much of your day did you spend thinking about recessions and back in the, that day? When, again, the only the only time you really learned about it was at the 6 o'clock news, you know? Yeah. Or if you picked up a na- newspaper and read it. Not that it makes it any less now, but it, it's just funny how things are now way more part of your world because they're in your face all freaking day, you know? No matter sure. where you turn. Yeah, I mean, and that's true. But it doesn't mm-hmm. lessen the fact that these things are happening. No. And, no, and whether, we, whether we used to not know about them and now we do, the fact is they're happening. And, you know, there's a lot of parallels to that time that created right. that situation. And again, I, I'm, you know, listen, I want to, I just want to live my life and I want to like, I, I wish there wasn't all these things going on, but there are. Right. But my, part of my point is sometimes ignorance is bliss. Yeah. No, it'd be better if you didn't know. And you, you know, mm-hmm. like I, you don't read that 30% of the Ukraine's power grid is, you know, unusable. Uh, and, you know, I still can't believe that, that Russia has invaded Ukraine and there are people in the United States that think that's a good idea. Well, there are people in Canada that think it's a good idea. This this premier. But even beyond that, the callousness, the evilness, the terrorism of it. Those suicide drones are actually targeting infrastructure that will provide heat and water for the winter. So that's his strategy now. Freeze these people this winter. The citizens of Ukraine. Yeah. You said something uh, a while ago, and it resonated with me about how one person can make such a difference Mm -hmm. to all of us. Like, I don't know Vladimir Putin, Mm -hmm. but, you know, my, you know, your groceries are are more expensive, partly because of inflationary pressure brought on by, you know, him invading Ukraine. Mm hmm. 
And, you know, maybe there is a discussion for, you know, do the Russians have a point or whatever, but it's an unprompted, unprovoked, you know, callous, um, cruel, all those things. You know, finally, now Jackie's here. You know, we're going to turn this whole, we're going to turn this whole show around, buddy. You know, before we get Jackie talking politics, we should, because Jackie's a radio, Jackie's a radio person. Pro. She's a pro. Top Canadian bands, Jackie. Number one band, Tragically Hip. You agree or disagree? I get it, but I'm not a fan. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two was Rush, yes or no? Yeah. Three Bare Naked Ladies? Again, like, I, to me, they're okay. I, hmm, meh. Okay. No. Go ahead, Freddie. No, I would question that one, too. I think that's a little high, as much as I like them. Yeah. Yeah. Our lady, our, I, well, I thought the same thing about Our Lady Peace. I mean, I love Our Lady Peace, but, you know, number four on this list, a little high. Um, what about you? Our Lady Peace, yes or no? I'm okay with that. Guess who? What is this based on? Uh, just who? I don't know. Just something I saw oh. online, and it says it's, it's going oh. around, and I thought, okay. Well, I, I asked about the criteria, too, because I thought, as much as I love the Tragically Hip and don't really care for Rush, I would think Rush would be number one, but... Yeah, again, yeah. that's the problem, Jack, is that there's no criteria other than just throwing out this list. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny. I wasn't, and this has a, been a running gag on this show for a long time, and Freddie just reminded me of it. But I used to make fun of the Tragically Hip. For years, it was a bit on the edge where I would play a Tragically Hip song, and I'd say, oh, there's New Orleans is sinking. And Fred would say, no, Howard, that's 50 Mission Cap. And I'd go, I don't know, Fred, they all sound the same to me. And then at the edge, the phones would just light up. And oh, it was like, boy. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was my bit. You know the balls he had. It was probably, you know, not the best bit to have on that <laughs> no. at that time. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's pretty funny. I, I pretty thought funny, it was funny, you know too. What, this, yeah, that, I, I'm right there with you. I would have been like, you know, busting a gut. But the same could be definitely said of Nickelback. Oh, my goodness. Well, the funny thing, I, I don't hate Nickelback. I, re- I don't hate them. I met, uh, I was at uh, one of the radio stations. Maybe it was the mix after Fred left, and I had to go and host a thing uh, one-on-one with uh, Chad and a couple of the guys from the band, and they couldn't have been better dudes. And I don't mind their music. You know, I mean, I, I know it's not fashionable, but they've sold 50 million records for a reason. It's yeah, like, it's same. that thing. I don't care from them for them, but I deeply respect what they have done. How do you not? You know, some I'm going to be honest with you on this list, Jack and Fred, there's some 41, the R. Kells and Billy Talent. And honestly, I don't I can't name of those three bands. I know if you played a song and went, oh, that's the R. Kells. I go, yeah, I like that. But off the top of my head, I can't really come up with one. Can you? Oh, yeah, I can. I know because you're a program director. What about you, Jackie? Can you come up with an R. Kells song? No. How about Billy Talent? No. Some 41. Now, I know it's a no. demographic thing. <laughs> and I'm, by the way, I'm the same. I just admitted it. I mean, it's a demographic thing. Yeah. And if I, you played one, I'd be like, oh. I, I, that's what I mean. And I, and I respect those bands. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be on this list. But I, again, that's just. What disturbs me about that? And again, I'd love to know what the criteria is. If those bands are making the top 10, <laughs> it shows that there's not a lot of depth here in this country. I mean, think about it. And again, that's not fair if the criteria is something um, that sort of justifies that list. Sure. Do you think it's fair to say that uh, 
from Canadian music, uh, solo artists have had Canadian oh. solo artists have had more success internationally. Than oh, huge! Bands. Great point. Absolutely. Well, that's often, what I yeah. mean. So those were rock bands, Howard? Yeah, these are the top Canadian bands. Not the top Canadian artists of all time. Because you think about it, Celine Dion, uh, Alanis Morissette, Sarah McLaughlin, uh, Avril Lavigne. Like, Brian it, Adams, Justin Bieber. Brian Adams, Justin Bieber, Drake. Mm-hmm. Like Those are some of the biggest artists of all time in, yes. around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said this for a long time, too. The hip should have been bigger in the states they were every when we played the hip my little bit aside but the time in the mid 90s they were on the same certainly the as as their songs as good as you know Soundgarden, rem all those bands from the early 90s they just never got they should have been bigger than they were but those solo artists we just named like you know that's a whole other league mm-hmm. yep alanis morissette her, her album jagged little pill sold more then I would say half of the artists on this list, other than Rush, probably that one album sold more than all those others combined. Did you say the Guess Who? Was the Guess Who on that list? Yes. Okay. Jagged Little Pills has sold over 25 million records, that one album. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. That was quite that. That album, though, was such a departure, uh, not just for her, but I think even in music in general at that time. Right. Like it was it was. Yeah, it was, it was unlike anything else out on the market, I think. My daughter at the time, she went to a concert. We were very nervous and afraid at Molson <laughs> Park in Barrie to, to see Alanis Morissette. I think she may have been 14, 15. Yeah. But that was the amazing thing. It, you're talking about Jagged Little Pillar. Right? Yeah. It struck a chord with that age, and and I remember at the time how much I really liked the album, and I was like pushing forty. It was just a great, great piece of work. It really was, and it holds up. If you listen to oh, yeah. album recently, I have actually it's no something else. Uh, yeah, the uh, it's I, there was some retrospect of it, like the twentieth anniversary of this album, and you forget how many songs on this record were all just you know we played them. Uh, all right. Do you well, remember let's... her uh, pop? Oh, sorry. Do you remember her big pop uh, hit before, like a few years prior to Jagged Little Pill, though? Like when she was like a teenage sort of. Uh... Yeah, never too hot, always too cold, or never always yeah. too hot, never too cold. Well, we wouldn't have played it, but I remember she had it. <laughs> um, by way of so, this is your introduction now. Here comes so this is that was like the pre uh, part, and now here comes the real part. Uh, for many years, our guest uh, has uh, contributed to the Canadian media landscape and uh, was uh, part of that whole Derringer nonsense in the spring, the curious case of Mr. John Derringer. And now she has been making uh, regular appearances on our program. We appreciate, you know, the work she's doing. She is, uh, I, I'm never 100 percent I believe she's now a sitting senator <laughs> in the... Uh, I think she's. I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I believe she's now a senator of our country, and uh, or she works for a senator. It's hard. It's hard to keep track because she's getting promoted all the time. Here's Jackie Delaney slash Budikinks. Hello. 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 Jackie, Hello. do you see do you see other senators all the time? Yeah. Look, uh, actually, that's a great thing right now about the Senate. Uh, the House of Commons is still sitting hybrid so they can be there in person or virtually that was a motion that was adopted in the house last year before they adjourned for the summer and they'll continue to do that until at least the spring and then they'll have i'm sure a big debate over keeping it 
but the Senate returned in person. We don't have any virtual components. Mm. So the Senate is conducting business as per normal pre-pandemic. So all of the senators who are taking part in proceedings are actually there in person. The chamber's open. The public can go in and watch proceedings. Uh, I've been going into the office. So, yeah, it's been mm-hmm. fabulous. Actually, I'm so happy for that. Yeah. You know, I always feel good for Frank Mahovlich because a lot of those former NHLers, you know, sort of never made a lot of money and their pension isn't the best. And he's done well. Is he a nice man? Have you ever talked to Frankie? So he's not a senator anymore. He's not. Uh, I thought you were no, senator no. for life. No, mandatory retirement age, 75. Oh, really? 75 is it? Okay. <laughs> it's not like that uh, in the States, is it? No, in the States, they're not appointed. They're elected. Oh, okay. Right. Um, right, right. But, course, yeah. So Frank Mahovlich was right. retired long before I got there. Mm-hmm. I met him, though, I think, once when I was still working in radio. And he mm-hmm. seemed like quite a lovely man. Mm-hmm. But he did get a lifetime pension, though. Well, yeah, well, that was sort of my point. Like he's he he did well after hockey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not a bad landing. No. Yeah, well, can you give us a little sense of your day to day? Why don't you tell everyone what your official title is? I know you're not a senator, but one day we're going to appoint you. I'm going to throw that out there. What's, when you're uh, prime minister? Yes, once I'm elected. Um, what uh, is your actual title? Your assistant to the regional secretary. My. <laughs> My official title, and to be honest with you, even my own boss gets it wrong, uh, but my official title is Director of Parliamentary Affairs in the Office of the Honorable Leo Husakos. Leo? A bit wordy. Leo Husakos? Okay. Yes. And Leo's your boss? He's a senator? Correct. He's a Montreal senator. Okay. And I've been working for him since 2015. Now, does he? The reason I wanted to ask this is because I follow you quite closely on uh, the social media, and um, and and you know your views are you know you're very uh, opinionated. Opinionated, thank you. <laughs> and um, does that get in the way? Is there some? I guess what I'm trying to say is like, does the person you work for, or the people you work for, are you worried about uh, saying anything that reflects poorly on them? No, because I'm smarter than that. Come on now. I know you are, but... No. Look, typically, uh, I, I'm I'm not your typical staffer where, uh, you, you know, typically you would be a little more reserved in your own social media because exactly as you said, it can reflect on the person for whom you work. Mm-hmm. Um, but he and I have a relationship it, it, it transcends the, the office. Like we're very good friends, um, very good friends with his family. We know each other very well. And th- so there's a familiarity there and there's a trust there. Right. Um, You've been there for seven years are, for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And we're, our viewpoints are very much aligned. And, uh, you know, we have discussions. I know how he feels about something, you know, before I'm taking to social media, I know how he feels. I know if it's aligned with what he thinks or not. Um, the other thing is he knew what he was getting when he hired me. So, um, when I worked for the government leader in the Senate prior to working for him, it was a little different. I very much watched what I said and and did on social media. Um, same thing when I worked for Tim Hudak, but you know, at that point they're leaders and, 
it's a different type of job. And when Leo was Speaker of the Senate, I absolutely did not go on social media and voice my political views because, again, the office that he held at that time was such that there had to be more of a neutrality Mm -hmm. there. So it depends on who you work for and it depends on what their job is. And as I said, you know, you're a smart person and you've been there for a long time for a reason. I love what it says at the beginning at your your social post there on Twitter. It says, my personality is who I am. My attitude depends on who you are. Um, I want to get into the, (laughs) I love that. I want to get into the uh, Alberta lady in a second, but I'm just curious. I'm just curious about something. So Seamus O'Regan, he tweets, menstruation is a fact of life and we don't expect people to bring their own toilet paper to work. We're requiring federally regulated workplaces to provide menstrual products for their employees. And you, you, you retweeted that by saying this is one of the most ridiculous tweets I've ever seen. And that's saying a lot considering the source. I'm just curious. What was your problem with that? Even know where to begin because I think it's so stupid. We keep having these conversations about women's feminine products, uh, menstruation products, and it's like it's it's a fact of life. Yes, it's like to, it, it's like toilet paper. I guess I, I don't know. I, first of all, I think the whole comparison is ridiculous. Secondly, um, if the government is so concerned about a woman's ability to pay for her own menstruation products then how about you get rid of the tax on it? How about you make it an essential item like food and then there's no tax on it. So why don't you start there, Seamus? Gee, Seamus, I wonder, you know, if only, if only you were like, oh, I don't know, part of a government that could do something about taxes. Like it's so ridiculous. It's nothing more than virtue signaling. Oh, look at us. It does nothing. It's ridiculous. It's what I've come to expect from this government. Just, you know what, Seamus, just shut up. Just go in the corner and just be quiet. Well, that's interesting. You know, I uh, there's still taxes on those products. That's been an ongoing issue for years and years and years. And based on that, I sort of side with you a bit. That would be the start, would it not? Yeah. Because if you put all those products in the washrooms, that means the taxpayer is paying for them. And believe me, I wouldn't have a problem with that if, if they did that. But the way you've positioned this argument, I sort of agree with that. Start with the taxes. Why is there taxes on feminine hygiene products? So that okay. So when you retweet yeah. that, why not say, "Well, let's start with getting rid of the taxes on feminine products." But yeah. but what you just said, you know, this this phrase, and I, again, it's not just you, and it's it's not just the right or the left, but this phrase of virtue signaling. Everything governments do, everything everyone is doing. Okay, let me me take that back. Not everything, but a lot of what we're doing now is virtue signaling. If Pierre Polyev comes out and says, you know, X, it's it's a signal to people that, hey, if you align with this opinion, vote for me. So I don't, that part of it is, you know, so it's virtue signaling, but whatever, it's, 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 that's all, all politics is virtue signaling is my point. So what, so what what if he did it? I, I get what you're saying. I guess where I'm saying it's a it's a little different is this government in particular is always appealing to certain groups of of people. And, you know, it takes me back to last week when Melanie Jolie tweeted, 
or a couple of weeks ago, she tweeted about what's happening in Iran and the uprising in Iran. And she tweeted out that as the Foreign Affairs Minister of Canada, she was going to convene a meeting of other female foreign affairs ministers from around the world to discuss Iran. Well, why only female foreign affairs ministers? Like, first of all, this affects more than females in Iran. Yes, it started out because of the way that women are treated in Iran. But as they've shown, you need male allies in a fight like that. So what is convening female foreign affairs ministers going to do exactly? It's just this to me, that's just absolutely asinine. And this is the kind of stuff that drives me bonkers, especially as a woman. I don't need anybody, especially a man in government giving me something because I'm a woman. I'll earn it. And if yeah. I can't earn it, then then I'll let you know. I just it really it really drives me crazy. And here's the other thing about what Seamus O'Regan said. Um, if you notice, he said in federally regulated workplaces, well federally regulated workplaces are probably where women are having the least difficulty paying for their feminine products. So if you want to help women get their feminine products maybe that's not the first place you should start Same. no i i agree and the and the other point you made uh, about you know having what are they going to call it a, a meeting whatever that is mm-hmm. no the way you position it i get it I, and i actually admire that because you know often there's that rush to oh yeah you know we have to look after this group we have to look after that group when there's often another side or explanation that makes it a little more logical, as you just put. sure and and whether the again is it virtue signaling that the um, the woman wanted to get a bunch of women together to talk about this problem that is affecting women in Iran? I mean, there's an argument to be made. But and pretty- at the end of the day, it probably would, as you say, accomplish nothing. Yeah. And, and whether it does or it doesn't, you yeah. know, I mean, I think we're all in agreement that we need more women in charge of more shit. Oh, that, that, let's just absolutely. let's just start with. And, and speaking of a woman who's as long as you're providing the toilet paper <laughs> and and uh, and the menstrual products, where are them? Where? What about the products for older men? Like we can't, you know, sometimes we have dribbles. Well, prostate exams are you still have to pay for the taxes on prostate exams are outrageous, Jackie. But let's talk about a woman in Alberta. Is it not virtue signaling when she says that va- un- the unvaccinated are the most discriminated against in her lifetime? That seems a bit aggressive, does it not? Well, did you see my tweet on that? Well, I'm my asking tweets. you, what was your tweet okay. on that? Well, I wasn't sure because you, you, I love that you, uh, I love that you know my 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 Twitter activity. Look, uh, I thought it was a stupid remark. I thought it was um, a not well thought out remark. I get the point that she was trying to make. But by overstating it, she lost her own message. So as a, as a comms person, as someone who does communications and has does communications and issues management, you just, you kneecapped your own message by overstating the facts. And it was just, I don't know if, if it was intentional or if she, she or someone else around her just didn't think about how that was going to sound. Yeah. It, it, big comms fail, major comms fail, as far as I'm concerned. Just dumb. Well, really dumb. And I think it's a problem. We talked about this earlier in the show. And I mean, it started with Trump. Just throw so much stuff out there that 10 years, five years ago was unacceptable. Now there's just so much of it. We don't even have time to balance it all. And I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's sort of an example. 
Like, she didn't sit down with her people, but, you know, given her position, you didn't sit down prior and think, boy, before I issue this, I better look at it from a few angles because she just looked ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it it was it was hyperbole, right? At least. And that's what I said. I hope this was hyperbole. But even with that said, it, it. like I said, she kneecapped her own message. Yeah, I want to say that, Jackie. What we were talking about this, uh, what Fred just brought up about the idea that once, what was once, and, and this uh, is part of our time together in the media. We've all worked, you know, for thirty or forty years doing this. What was once outrageous is now allowable in a way that I don't think any of us have ever seen. Not just from the right and not just from the left, but everything that, you know, I said to Freddie, there's so many things that Trump said and that politicians have said in the last five to 10 years that years ago, one, one of those things would have been enough to, to stop the campaign, to, to uh, hijack their yeah. run for office. What do you think of that? Well, I, you know, as you're saying that, I'm wondering, like, why, why is that? And obviously, it, I'm sure it has something to do with the Internet. And I'm thinking in my mind, what about the Internet? And Honestly, I I guess the only answer I have for that is because there's so much online and there's so much available that you have to find a way to cut through. And I think a lot of people are trying to cut through by being outrageous, right? And I think, yeah, people are just not as careful with their words and what the perception of those words will be uh, when that clip does get played. So again, I can look at what I think she was trying to say, and I I don't know if it was intentional, but I think that's what it is. I think people are just trying to cut through, and I think people become very careless and sloppy or not thoughtful. Sure, and Freddie said she, uh, Danielle Smith is who we're talking about, you said that she had to apologize or she did apologize, Fred? Yes. She has officially apologized uh, for the Ukraine thing. Oh, yeah. What was the Ukraine thing now? She uh, thought Putin was doing a good job over there. Not that he was doing a good job, but maybe, you know, um, Ukraine should be new think about being neutral or Mm -hmm. maybe uh, there's parts of Ukraine where the people actually want to be part of Russia and they should be allowed to. And uh, well, there was she said this before she was leader, right? She said this when she was doing her radio show. I'm not defending it. I'm not defending. No, 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 no. I understand. And and she made the point that, you know, how would the U.S. feel if Canada was aligned with uh, Russia and, you know, there was a NATO type thing one to come that close, which, you know, we got to be honest. I mean, I mean, that that is one argument where I can actually entertain. It's like, okay. You know, Ukraine, they're uh, thinking about joining NATO, so they're going to be right against our borders. How are we going to react? Well, I, I, I take it that far, but then the terrorism and just the gruesome heartlessness of it, all that's out the window now. So anybody that still, even in the United States, Howard and I were talking about this, there's still people on the right that just aren't willing to criticize Putin. And it's just weird. Right? It's really it's a curious. I have to say. Yeah, I was saying to Freddie Jackie that uh, in our lifetimes, like you can just never imagine a conservative American politician siding with a Russian, you know, leader. And why is that? Yeah. Because they like the idea of... Um no, it's, what's what, it's what you said. Because it's, it's not siding with... with um, Biden. It's whatever is against... They're just against whatever would be advantageous and and i think they like the idea of an autocrat and they look at a guy like donald trump if he ever did take control and stay in control he would do all the things that they like stop immigration you know 
you know, look the other way when it comes to, to, to racism, all those things that they're all about. Donald Trump does what's what's good for Donald Trump at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. right? So, yes. um, and it, so let me put it this way. If Donald Trump thought that the success of his business ventures uh, was reliant on immigration, he would do nothing about of immigration. Course. He would encourage immigration. Like, it, mm-hmm. yeah, to no, me, of it's course, yes. no, My God, I hope he doesn't come well, back. Well, I was going to say, I'm, speaking I'm of just, Trump, oh. and I was going to say, speaking of Trump, before we let you go, and, and we're often accused of this on the show, and it's with, with good reason, it's true. We spend a lot of time talking about American politics, Donald Trump, Fox News, because it's fascinating. I mean, we just admit it. It's fascinating to him and I. But here we have an inquiry Maybe Canadians aren't even paying attention. An inquiry into the convoy. And on Jackie's social media, I see that you're uh, tweeting about that. So, in fairness, what should we know about the convoy inquiry that is currently underway? My opinion so far, and yes, I am a conservative, but my opinion so far, first of all, this is an inquiry into the uh, government's invocation of the Emergencies Act and whether or not that was justified. Mm-hmm. I have yet to see or hear anything that is relevant from a legal standpoint as to whether or not the invocation of that Emergency Act was um, justified. What I, what I have seen is a lot of people talking about their feelings, which is fine. We all had feelings on it. I mean, I live I live right downtown Ottawa and uh, walked through the convoy many days and nights as well. I wasn't personally harassed or saw anything that offended me per se, but that doesn't mean that others weren't harassed. So, so that's the one thing. There, there are two sides very firmly entrenched in their narratives. And I wish both sides would take their, their blinders off a little bit and see a little bit of the other side, because that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I am, but that's what I'm trying to do. So there's that. What we got out of yesterday's testimony from Mayor Jim Watson and even last week from uh, the the city planner, or earlier this week from the city planner, it very two things that I'm taking away from this: lack of cooperation between uh, various police forces, which is very common. But mm-hmm. what saddens me about that is I thought we had learned lessons about that from the shooting on Parliament Hill back in 2014, and clearly we didn't. So shame on Ottawa, shame on the various um, authorities involved for that. The other thing I'm taking away from it is it was very political. You know, you had you had um, the city manager or the mayor's chief of staff last week admitting that the mayor didn't make certain decisions because he was afraid of what that would look like for the federal government or afraid uh, for the pressure that that would put on the federal government. Yet he turned around and had no problem throwing Doug Ford under the bus. And, you know, I'm not a Doug Ford defender. So. Why is the mayor of the city worried about political implications for either level of government? He should only worry about his own level of government and the impacts on the people of Ottawa. Okay. But Jim Watson, a liberal, former liberal MPP, made it very clear he didn't want to embarrass Justin Trudeau, but he had no problem embarrassing Doug Ford. That, for me, is problematic. I, I, I agree with that. I mean... He's trying to save his own ass, of course. He's trying to come out of this looking better uh, than he did, so to speak. No, I agree with that. But I'm also a um, I'm also a conservative too. Uh, and uh, what I when it comes to war, uh, the Emergencies Act, it, to me, at the beginning, middle, end of the story, it worked great. 
<laughs> well, one of the things Jackie but, but said, but it didn't. But it well, didn't. It, well, it, it did. And, it and stopped it. Yeah, it stopped them out of. No, but, but Fred. But mm. Fred, I, that, that's where. I, and you know, I love and adore you. But that's where I have to. I, did it work? Yes. But the the point is, the Emergency Act. Nowhere in the Act does it say, uh, um, you know, it's justified if it works. It says it's justified if there's no other capability to deal with the matter. And there are various other capabilities to deal with the matter. The Highway Traffic Act, uh, the National Defense Act. That's just an easy So, wait, so is that, is that your problem? Is that your problem is that and I'm going to say something in a second that you I do agree with you. But so your problem is that they, they, it was the Emergencies Act. They should have. Tried some other acts first. Is that which that would that have been okay? Absolutely. Okay, one, absolutely. One thing you absolutely. do say here online that I agree with is if Stephen Harper had been the one to use the emergencies uh, emergency act, people would lose their freaking minds. Mm-hmm. That I do that's agree exactly. with. Uh, and again, that's a that. perception. Um, I would have loved it, but. Well, no, but but I and I, I, you know, I have to say it did work, and you can say you can argue that it didn't, but it did. To a degree, and your again, your issue with it is that there there was other acts they could have tried first. Right. And there's a whole lot of gobbledygook around this, you know, the mayor and the levels of government. I listened to the testimony of the people that live downtown and the hell that they were put through. How that was allowed to go on as long as it did, that that pisses me off more than anything else. So if you want to pull the Emergencies Act in to help those people. Is what they that's good enough for me, but I'm rather shallow. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, listen, Jackie De- Delaney, uh, I'm gonna still Jackie Budden. Right. I just carry, I get mixed up sometimes. Did Pelosi threaten to punch Justin Trudeau in the face? I can't, <laughs> it's just, I'm not, a, did she? I know she wants to punch somebody. I don't advocate violence. Exactly. And listen, my love, thanks for uh, enduring this uh, spot every month. We certainly look forward to having our chats with you. It's my pleasure. All right, my friend. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks, Jackie. Good to see you. She's a senator. She's uh, officially now in charge of the Senate, and uh, we're lucky to have her on our program. (laughs) Down. I don't agree with half of what she says, but I like having her on the show. But, you know, this again, uh, is it shallow? I look at I've been reading this stuff about the Emergencies Act. And to me, it's like, okay, 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 okay. Have you heard some of the testimony from the people that live downtown? Yeah, no, it was uh, it was uh, they were it was uh, traumatizing. And this went on for weeks. Yeah. I don't give a shit what it took to get those assholes out of town. It worked. Uh, You know, and we didn't even get into, uh, you know, half of those people were there just partying around the the clock. You know, that's what it was. For a lot of those, you know, buddies, it was a big piss up, eh? This Danielle Smith, too, just, you know, and again, how do I, it's just how that whole Trumpism is coming to Canada and how this worked for this woman. You know, she supported the convoy I would have a problem with. She made several posts against vaccine mandates and uh, shared anti-vaccine content. And this is what got her elected. She questioned the legitimacy of reports that unmarked graves had had been found at residential schools across Canada. Based on what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Based on what? And you know she is saying that. That is a dog whistle to a group of people in Alberta that... I probably had enough of, you know, the indigenous issue and those people. And 
you know, we, and we're, again, as I said to Jackie, we're often accused of, you know, mm-hmm. just talking about American politics. But, but, but listen, there's some stuff going on out there. This woman is just the beginning, but she's just representing the type of people that went to Ottawa at the beginning of this year are still amongst us. Right. They're not going away. But, yeah. Go ahead. I'm going to no, play. I'm, just, I'm going to play you something in a second. No, I'm just saying. So you're running for premier of the province. What other reason would you question the legitimacy of reports that unmarked graves had been found at residential schools across Canada? What other reason would you bring that up other than you're talking to somebody? Yeah, you're talking to somebody. Well, there, and there's a lot of them out there, my friend. No, I know. And a lot of those people you're talking to were in their fucking trucks heading for Ottawa last February. Sorry, but that's the truth. Well, yeah. And then, you know, the whole thing, the, the, you know, the last time or one of the times we talked to Jackie about, you know, well, the prime minister had to do was meet with those people. Did he? Did he really? Is that what he should have done? Gone out and talked to those people that don't believe that, you know, uh, that children were, were massacred in this country? He should have talked to them. Like, Why? Is that what we're supposed to do? Would, would Stephen Harper gonna have gone out and had a chat with these nice fellas? And, and by the way, you didn't respond to what I said. A lot of the reports you're hearing is some of these people just went to Ottawa for a 24-hour buddy party. You know, Absolutely, the fucking bouncy castles and, uh, and hot tubs hot and the tubs. Of flat. I, I know. You and know, half of them had no, I re, no idea why they were there. You know, I drove up towards Barrie the other day and I drove by this house. With, did I tell you this on the show? I don't you know, remember. fence draped with fuck Trudeau oh, yeah, yeah. flags and freedom. And I again, I so I just want to stop and pull in the driveway and knock on the door and say, listen, can we just sit down and have a beer? I, I you, you got to tell me where this is coming from. Right. It's wonderful, free, fabulous, great country, a model for the world. What the fuck are you talking about? No, I know. I drove by a guy with the fuck yeah. Trudeau. Uh, uh, sticker or whatever that thing is in his truck. Typical, you know, big truck. You know, one one of those big uh, big wheels. Big wheels. And And it just makes me uncomfortable. And here's why, if you don't think that this stuff is going on in Canada, have a listen to this, buddy. What's going on, TikTok? Has anybody else seen Putin's speech yet? I agree with that man 100%. It's a Canadian, by the way. I agree with Putin 100%. He goes on to speak to all the problems going on in the West, and fuck, we have a lot of problems. A lot. You got corrupt Biden and corrupt Trudeau fucking pushing Russia. If you people haven't fucking woken up to the fucking corruption going on yet, Mr. (laughs) Putin, please don't hold us accountable for our fucking idiot fucking corrupt prime minister. Please. Us Canadians have nothing to do with this. You see the way we're being treated over here. I'm over here. We're being treated. We don't want to get the vaccine. No, fucking you see how hard they push on us over here. Mr. Putin. Take Justin Trudeau, Justin Trudeau out by any means possible. See, I want to pause here for a second. You know, years ago, and, and uh, I've made this point. You made this point. We made this point. Years ago, you would have a, a, a discussion, political discussion, uh, about something, about something tangible. You know, something you could debate. But everything he said so far in this minute and seven seconds, it, I don't. I don't even know where to debate it. Like, no, 
And yeah, I, I agree. Like how is like take Trudeau out? Like I remember not being in the beginning the biggest Stephen Harper fan, but I don't remember ever saying to you, "Hey, Fred, you know what? We should fucking shoot this guy in the head by any means necessary." What I would like to to sit down and talk to this moron about because he's a fucking moron, and I'll tell you right now, I know where this all comes from. He's a pathetic racist. This guy, I'll tell you right now, this is where this comes from. I would like to ask him, okay, give me the Putin side. Okay, buddy boy, with your fucking truck and your fucking whatever. Your fuck Trudeau stickers. <laughs> yeah, give me the Putin side. Do you think he'd have anything to say? Tell me why you agree with Putin, what he is doing. Tell me, number one, what he is doing and how that is good and how you agree with that. He couldn't answer any of those questions. No, I know. And he's by the way, all, I, he's all he's getting all this shit like third and fourth oh, yeah. hand and formulating his asshole position. Like, and listen, Trudeau, what Trudeau is putting us through, we have elections and there's an election in a couple of years from now. Do I like Trudeau? No. Do I think he's incompetent on a lot of levels? Yes. But my strength is in my vote. Like, how yeah, yeah, but be, do you think he's incompetent on a, on some levels? You, you, you thought Chrétien was incompetent on some levels, but no party yes. was like, let's fucking shoot the guy. Uh, no, 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 exactly. You know what I mean? It's like you can. Yeah. Sure, I could say the same. Listen, Stephen Harper was incompetent on some levels. They're all mm-hmm. nobody's perfect. But for but some reason, democracy and you have a vote. Right. And for some reason, though in the modern society uh, because of the access to content. And this guy's got a huge TikTok following. He does? Oh, yeah. You guys have the Secret Service over in Russia. You guys have fucking people that know how to do it. He's talking about how Putin should come use the Secret Service. Listen to this. Right here for him. And he's pointing to his forehead. Shoot him right in the head. Put his permanent dot right here. Oh, his permanent dot. Again, racist. And this will be over. We know that that doesn't fucking Biden in the States. Biden died at the fucking Air Force Base. So now he's telling us that he believes that Joe Biden is not the real president right now. It's a it's a body double of some kind. Like over two years ago. And if you guys don't fucking believe in the green screen shit going on in fucking Washington, well, then you guys are fucking still asleep. That's the, that's the other thing. The, the other dog whistle. We're all asleep. All, we're all just sheeple. Yes. None of us have got the real story about the vaccine or the indigenous kids or the green screen Joe Biden or Putin should put a, a bullet in the prime minister's head. This is this guy's whole thing, and he does it every day. Mm-hmm. But this is Putin, the guy that is targeting schools and residential areas in Russia against his own people. And this, this is this guy's model who claims that Trudeau is attacking his own <laughs> yeah. people? Just, just think about that. Yeah. He's talking about Trudeau is, is putting him through something. In other words, sort of attacking me and, and as a citizen. But then he likes Putin, who is, you know, showing no remorse whatsoever, no... What he's putting the people of Ukraine through. I know. It's just, let me just finish this off. He's only got a couple more seconds left. We need to wake up and take these corrupt fucking politicians out <laughs> by any means possible. And any, any, and I hate calling them this, any fucking people that are considered elites and part of the World Economic Forum, we're going to fucking hang you all. 
Yeah, you know who those, he's talking about All there. of you elites are going to fucking hang, and yeah. we're going to split up all your money when we're done. Mm. All, See, he's, he's all about the communism now. We'll start off with Socialism. Bill Gates, so that'll fucking pay a good chunk of the world's fucking issues, since he's the one that started most of them. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Bill Gates started This is a warning to all you elites out there that are part of the World Economic Forum. Your fucking day is coming. Your day's coming. You guys are all going to fucking hang from the end of a rope. And this isn't a fucking threat. This is a fucking promise. It's not a threat, Fred. It's a promise. All of you that are part of the World Economic Forum, we're going to hang you all. You wouldn't know anything about the world. Oh, I know. All of you. Jesus. And the only thing is we're going to start with Trudeau, and then we'll go to the fucking Klaus Schwab clown. Mm-hmm. Canada, U.S., we need to fucking wake up because if we don't, Russia's going to bomb in our fucking backyard. Stay safe. Stay safe. So this guy, um, I would say he's probably late 30s, early 40s. Mm-hmm. I say this because he's wearing uh, glasses on a string, like on a little band, mm-hmm. like they're his reading glasses. So he's probably early 40s. And you know, he's, uh, he's pretty wound up, but a lot of people follow him. But when he, you know, when he talks about the Biden green screen thing, <laughs> that's when, that's when it all also it becomes kind of funny, and uh, the fact that he's a super buddy boy from Alberta. But I, I love the thing, you know, like what Trudeau is putting us through. No, Again, it's terrible. Look what Putin's Putin is doing to his own people, the sanctions, the way they're affecting that country. Look what he's doing with soldiers now. They're getting like a day's training, and he's throw and he's throwing them in, them, them into combat. Yeah. With no weapons or inadequate weapons and not enough food. And so this is this guy's model. Yeah, you know, that on that point, too, I mean, think about how scary that must be. That's why thousands of these Russian men, when they were when they uh, whenever they did that thing a few weeks ago, where they started calling up reserves, they left. They wanted to leave the country because they knew they were being sent to their deaths. Right. These are guys that like worked at a. But that's you know, nothing compared to what Trudeau's putting. Oh no, us exactly. Through. These are a bunch of young men and right. young men in that country that were working at like the Russian Footlocker one day, and then the next day they're on their way to fight people that that are mm-hmm. that are defending their country. Right. The reason Ukraine has done as well as it's it has so far is because they're on the right side of this. And so their people are motivated. They're, you know, they, they, they see this as a great resistance. But Buddy, who was like, I'm a manager at the uh, Mrs. Fields Cookies in the mall. And the next day, he's on a, a train to Kiev or something, and he's got a, a gun in his hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's any, that's, you know, I don't know what the hope in all of this is, other than that, you know, maybe internally in Russia, they overthrow him. Yeah, like, I don't know either. And that's why, like, this guy, and, you know, the internet, the social media, like, this guy, like, has a voice now, and he has a following. Yes. What he's saying is the music to the ears of usual suspects. But, again, Putin, yesterday, the day before, you know, kamikaze drones into apartment buildings, and this is your guy? Yeah. That's the guy that's going to solve your problems. This is your guy? This is the guy that you want to take out Trudeau? Hmm. Like, where? Like how much hate is within that guy? How yeah, much and, intolerance? How much 
but he's just dummy. Well, and the, and the thing is, the people that follow him on TikTok, and I don't know where else he has a social media. I, I don't even know his name. I just came across this clip. I've been saving it for a couple of days. But uh, all they're, what, what they're getting is somebody saying things that they think, that they feel, that they don't want to maybe give voice to, that they wouldn't maybe say to their buddies at work, but they've got this person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like them. They have somebody that's saying what they think inside. It's what's that thing people say, the, the, the inside voice or whatever. It's somebody saying on the outside what they all think inside their sad little heads. And I would like to say to that guy, what do you think of Tucker Carlson? Oh, he loves you him. probably think he's dead right on. Yeah, he loves he's him, of course. On. I love Tucker. He's great. We need more Tuckers, yeah. is what he would say to you. And it gets back to the whole evil thing. You know, and he the left is you know, naive. The right is is, e- yeah. is just downright evil. And he wouldn't like that you're working with one of the Hebrews. He'd be like, hey, Fred, come on, man. You know, the Hebrews, the elites. Uh, before we get any uh, further into this, I want you to uh, listen to this. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, one further point. Yes, you, you please. Often, you're hearing lots of stories about families breaking up, having conflicts over these political issues, you know, in this far right agenda and, you know, disagreeing with maybe on people in the family on the far, like it's a, it's a, like that Jamie Saleh, mm-hmm. thing. like her, like she admits it. Her whole family is more or less abandoned her because they think she's crazy and she won't, deal with reality well you listen to this guy you understand how families could be sure apart. what if that was your brother what if that was your cousin dude what if that was your uncle would i have a friend any, yeah would you want anything to do with that guy i have a friend who uh, i work with um occasionally and uh he's going through that he's gone through that through the well we have a couple people we know but uh this particular one it's uh you know it's his brother and and it would be like my brother steve you know a little bit old just not the older brother but a little older than me all of a sudden you know was was a convoy guy was an indigenous kids didn't happen guy and then what would you so you know you get together for an event of family get together. what do you say to that person so i asked mm-hmm. so during the pandemic this person i know i said well how does that go it because they're a pretty close family and he said it's the real it's the most awkward thing and nobody brings there's like the, uh, an unspoken thing you just don't bring it up um but that's a pretty severe rift in the family values you know well, because it's so extreme, it's not like, you know, I, you know, we need more taxes or I disagree with that tax or this policy. This is a guy that is just so lost it. He's he's asking one of the most vile people on earth to take out outside. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's all- like, wow, how do, how do you how do you even compute that? I know it would be like somebody in the 1930s going, dear Mr. Hitler, could you please kill our prime minister? Because what you're doing over there is great. Good job, Chancellor Hitler. And, you know, the other thing that gets lost in this, and I think you've touched on it, but I uh, is how great a place we are living in. This is the gold standard. And maybe you said that. This Canada that we live in, this is it, folks. I, I've started following this uh, account called uh, the World Index. And, and every day they just put out 
uh, world index of different things from around the world. For instance, the recent one, world's most livable cities. Vienna, Copenhagen, Zurich, Calgary, Vancouver, Geneva, Frankfurt, Toronto, Amsterdam, Osaka, mm-hmm. Melbourne. Like in the, in the world, we're seeing, you know, there's three or four Canadian cities in that top 10. We're seen as the one of the greatest places you could ever live this country of ours. And do we want to protect that? Of course we do. And do we want to make sure that, you know, things from the outside don't creep in to change that? Of course we do. But it's called an election. Yeah. That's what it's called. And you just can't go beyond that. And they'll argue, oh, no. And that'll come to Canada now. If Trudeau was reelected, oh, the elections was fixed. You watch. It's oh, sure. Coming. Yeah, well, the, once, you get, once you get your head around green screen Biden, anything is possible. And, and, and to, mm-hmm. to, I want to just take a second. For those people that believe all that stuff, and again, we know somebody's uh, family member who went down the rabbit hole. And, and I've said this to you, I feel a bit sorry for them because, you know, as you just said, if somebody, it's almost like being sucked into a cult, you know, and we've been told by much smarter people than both of us how that happens. Mm-hmm. And that one of the ideas is once you're down that, there you go. <laughs> I'm still sneezing from being around that the little dog for some reason gives me, um, because it's more like a cat, it's hair. Right. I, I, anyway, my older brother has explained this to me and, and been on the show talking about how once you're in that, once you've taken that position, it's hard to walk back from it. You know, Jamie Soleil, like, what is she all of a sudden one day going to see the error of her ways? Even if they don't agree with something, like, okay, maybe Jamie Soleil doesn't believe it's green screen Biden. But you're so deep into it, you can't dispute any of it, or you have right. to dispute all of it. Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, I kind of feel sorry for those people because it's not, it can't be like that guy we just played. It can't be a great way to live. No. But so much of that, again, comes from ignorance. It's. Again, I just like, you know, and I, w- I would promise I wouldn't get excited like I'm getting on this show this morning. I would just try and be level and just have this conversation and ask questions. But I would ask a lot of questions. I know there wouldn't be a lot of answers, but the or if there were answers, it'll just be nonsense. Stuff he's pulling out of his ass that he's heard from over here and he's heard from over there. But when you're when your basic agenda is intolerance and wanting the country to be like it was 40, 50 years ago or whatever. Right. You know, squeaky clean white. And yeah, when he put when he says that, you know, on the dot on his forehead. You know, I mean, come on, we're not stupid. Like, when that's your, you know, if that that's your foundation, that's where you're coming from. All you're doing is taking in any information that supports that. Yeah, without a lot of thought. And this and this is the this is the uh, this is the result. But the tolerance for that. Those people answering questions, you know, look at we've had a few people on the show Mm. and every time we've had somebody on, you know, the famous uh, interview with the anti-vaxxer Chris Sky, whatever the fuck happened to him. I told you, I told Mm -hmm. you his 15 minutes would be up and Mm -hmm. it is. No one's mentioned that guy in a long time, but none of those guys want to answer any questions. No, that's why they never go. That's why no right wing. You know, whatever's go on any kind of mainstream media because they just don't want to answer any questions. But let's not finish this show without some 
you know, let's just, you know, there's some good karma. I got a great little thing I'm going to read you in a second. But first, let's talk about uh, these fine folks. Who, the retirement sheriff? Yes, our retirement sheriff. He's not on the show today. Who's usually with us. Yes, yes. But he's traveling. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the retirement Sherpa uh, is Tim Niblett. He's a wonderful man. He sent me a nice note. Did he send you one yes. as well? Congratulating us on 11 years and his pleasure of being part of this corporation. This is what this is. Mm-hmm. It's a corporation. It's not one of those big corporations. <laughs> no. You know, that's, uh, you know. Uh, Tim Niblett, what can we say about him? He's been a great supporter of the show for the past several years. He's a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, uh, Timmy was on this week, again, covering all bases of, uh, you know, investments and where we're at and things you have to think about in the good times and the bad times. And not that they're bad times right now. They're just down times. Yeah, down times. It's down times. Down times. And they happen all the time. And there will be up times. Can't wait. Yes. Uh, he's the retirement Sherpa. He's Tim Niblett, retirementsherpa.ca. Here's a pleasant little sort of goodbye. And by the way, tomorrow, lots of emails, lots of... I'm going to screen cap a bunch of people who were so nice, like Tim, that sent us notes. Uh, pretty great. And if you want to send us anything, it's Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. Okay. In 1959, police were called to a segregated library. Think about that. <laughs> Think about it. The year before I was born, you were three. Mm-hmm. Police were called to a segregated library. That meant white people could only go in here and black people. That happened in our mm-hmm. lifetimes. Yes. When a black nine-year-old boy trying to check out books refused to leave. He was nine. After being told the library was not for black people. Mm-hmm. Hey, America, is that what you want? To make America great again like it was in 1959? Anyway, the boy named Ronald McNair went on to get a Ph.D. in physics from MIT and then became an astronaut. The library that refused to lend him books is now named after him. Oh, wow. Well, so there you go, karma. Sometimes, you know, I love this. You fuck around and you find out. I just hope there's some people alive that were there in 1959 when this kid wanted to check out a book, a little black boy, make America great again. When was it great exactly? Tell me the day it was great. You know, when was Canada great? When we allowed hundreds of kids to be, you know, murdered by a bunch of fucking religious idiots? Was that when we were great, Western Canada? No, I know. Ridiculous. But it's disturbing. Buddy boy, you played this morning. He's a Canadian, and that's the way he thinks. And there's a network of that going on in the country right now. Yeah. More so, and more than, you know what, we're naive. We're just a couple of old, silly old men. We have no idea the depth that this is. Mm -hmm. I tell you, if you need another palate cleanser, everyone, after this show, there's been a lot of stink on the show. There's a, a video that's going around. I love this. This is my favorite thing on the internet. Today, my favorite thing is a video of a beaver that's being uh, treated at a veterinarian clinic somewhere. Oh. And uh, the beaver has been given uh, free reign to move around the, uh, the hospital he's in. Mm-hmm. And what he does is he starts gathering sticks and he's oh, making, oh. he starts to make a dam at the door. 
Oh. And I'll tell you, it's the most adorable thing you'll see all goddamn day. It's just this fucking beaver doing beaver stuff, but in like a veterinarian's office. And I'm going to tell you, if you're... Aren't, aren't animal instincts... Yeah, I, so good. I mean, I knew, I knew you'd so love it. Why? Like, how would a... Like, a beaver. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? You know, a bird... Have you ever, Howard, taken a good look at a bird's nest? Oh, yes, I have. How perfectly round they are and how solid they are with the with the mud and the straw and that. Yeah, they don't cut corners. And they're not taught that. It's not like those little birds sit and watch the mother bird make the nest because no. they're eggs at the time. It's instinct. It's weird. If you want another video, and you can look this up. It happened last week. I, I since you're talking about birds, it's a vi- someone had put a camera mm-hmm. in this thing, and it, it's a time lapse showing the bird making the nest. Mm-hmm. And then the baby's being born? Yes. Also oh. fascinating. Okay, well, there you go. The beaver's making a dam. Birds are making a nest. And we're going to get out of here. Tomorrow is our uh, final program for a week. Freddie's going to New Orleans. I'm going to uh, France. Uh, one more sleep. It's very exciting. In the meantime, let's say, uh, let's get Dan Duran back here. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and HealthGage. You can email us, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. And on whatever platform you're listening, help us out by liking, subscribing, and giving us all the stars you can. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, no matter where I am, France, Italy, or in the sky somewhere over the Atlantic, I'm still here, enjoying every goddamn day. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts Two turntables and a microphone Bottles and cans and just clap your hands Or just clap your hands Where's that?